Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Tonight we're going to talk about being unstuck in a life of comparison. Now, comparison, that's a tricky, that's a tricky thing, right? And I want to kick us off with this verse, and this is our anchor verse. I didn't put it up there, but Brent shared it last week. It's in Galatians 5, verse 1. It says, it was for... It was for this freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you were once set free from. So friends, we are going to be set free tonight from this life of comparison. A life of comparison that keeps us trapped, right? Now, comparison is easy to fall into, friends. I mean, if you just look at the person next to you, that gentleman over there has got the fanciest shirts I've ever seen in my life. I, I'm just, I want to really get unstuck in flannel right now, right? Give him a round of applause. He looks fantastic. You can tell he's ready for spring, all right? He looks great. I am still in my winter attire, all right? But you look at the person next to you and you, 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 you find yourself comparing yourself, right? And sometimes we get in this place of life where we're content, we're finally happy with where we are, we finally got the iPhone, we finally got the girl, we finally got the, the bursary, we finally got to where we need to be in life, and then we look to the people beside us. We look to our left and our right, and we're like, dang it. I thought I had it. I thought I had the shirt today, but obviously I'm second best. And I thought I had it, man. I look at the people around me, and I've been working out for like at least six hours, and then I look at Tristan, I'm like, dang, those biceps. How do I, like, how do I don't cut it? I don't make it, man. I don't make the cut. Or in my life, this has been my struggle for forever, right? I'm, you know, vertically challenged, as they say. I was just thinking, man, if I was just a little bit taller, then I could reach that top shelf, like my older sister. Or if I was just this much taller, right? If I just had this or this, then I'd be happier, right? Then I'd be more content. Then I'd be fulfilled. Then I'd be all right, right? If I look at the person next to me, I'm like, if I had that, but not just that. I don't want just that. I want that, but better. Because if he has what I have, then we're the same. And, uh, then we're equal. But if I have that, but better, right? Or if I have what she has, but better. If I have, if I have the, 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 the car, but not just the car. Like, he has the 3 Series, I want the M3, all right? He has, there is Eddie in the back, he wants the M3. We're going to get you a bicycle, then we're going to progress, step by step, all right? We look at the people beside us and we say, we don't want just that. We want that, but better. And I want to share a story in my own personal life. Not just a short thing, but the other thing. is this: is I, I finally got the call to ministry. Guys, when you get this call, two things happen. Your family is in dread because they're like, oh my Lord. Lord? <laughs> and the other part is you're really excited because you're like, yo, I'm finally doing the thing that I feel like I've been called to do my whole entire life. This all makes sense. Everything is lining up. So Loren calls me this one random day, and he calls me, he's like, to me, we have a, a, youth, post, a youth worker position open, and we wanted to know if you would, you'd like to step into the position. And I'm like, obviously, I'm all professional. I'm like, yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm all professional. I'm like, oh, definitely, Loren. I would, I would uh, I'll think about it. I'll sleep it over. And then um, I'll let you know in the morning. My people will reach your people and we'll sort this out in the morning, right? And that's the conversation I have until we have the interview. And then they call me back later and they're like, man, you got the job. And I'm like, I'm, uh, psh. <laughs> right, who, who, who else, <laughs> right? Who, who better, right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, God, listen, you've, you've done it, man. You've set it up. I'm knocking them down. You set them up. I'm knocking them down. We're doing it. Ultimate duo, me and you. And I'm, I'm, I'm back home in, in, in Benoni, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm walking through the, the, the park, and you know when you skip, you know, there's all those memes of people skipping in the, in, the, in the grass, and that's me. I'm so excited. And I'm like, I'm going to work in, in a position where I'm 
dude, I get to do what I love every single day. That's before I knew there was admin involved. But I get, to do, <laughs> I get to do what I love every single day. I get to share the word of God. I get to minister to people. I get to disciple young people. And I get to do what I'm really passionate about. And I, know that when I, and I knew that when I start in Jan, guys, when I kick it off in January, this is when all of this gets growing. This is when I start running in this life of ministry, in this life of calling. And I get there in January and I look to my left and to my right and I see that I'm not running this thing alone. I'm so excited that I have friends with me that are running this race with me. I have my best friend who, who, who's been started in 2020 and I looked in my left and I have a friend as well and we're like, guys, we're going to tear this year up. This year doesn't know a damn thing, right? And then that was 2020, so we did not tear it up. The opposite, <laughs> the opposite of that happened. Instead, we got fat and lazy. Right? <laughs> that is all that happened in 2020. But then life carries on. It's, three, it's three, three years down the line of we both pioneering our ministries, we both pioneering the thing that we feel called to do, my friend and myself, and he, we're really close, like we're really, really close. Like I've slept over his house, I've cried in his arms, and we were watching The Notebook. And it, anyway, we were, we were really, really close. And I, I, I look to my left, and I see that my friend's ministries are blowing up, man. They're exploding at the seams. They, they're doing all these crazy things and they're doing all this stuff. And I look at my ministry and we're not, we're not, we're not horrible, don't get me wrong. We were where we needed to be. We are where we need to be. And we, we're fellowshipping. We have this nice group, this little community. And we, we're enjoying us, each other, having deep chats and having good discipleship. And I look to my left and these guys have got like little worship going on. And they're like, everyone's everywhere. They have a ping pong table. We took their ping pong table. But they have a ping pong table. They have a foosball table. Like this youth ministry is blowing up. And then I look to my friend, I look to my side, and I'm like, he's killing it. And I look to my right, and my other friend, she's killing it. She's doing all the things. She's ticking all the boxes. She's, she's admin strong. I was not. I only had one box. It was wake up early, and I ticked it. But she I was ticking all the other boxes. She was getting everything done. I look at both of my friends. I look to my left and my right, and they are they're reaching their goals. They're doing the thing. And then I look where I am, and I'm like, Sure. I compared myself to my friends and I, I looked and I was like, do I cut it? Did, did, God, did I hear you right? Are you sure? Like, obviously I was called to do something else, God. Obviously I was called to be like a male model or something else because this, this right here, <laughs> this right, why, why are you laughing so hard, Brent? <laughs> I'll pull it off, I mean, anyway. I asked, this, I asked myself the question like, God, did I hear you right? I'm now discontent in where I am and I'm discontent in who I am. Because I look at my friend and I was like, maybe if I was a little bit taller, and then I was like, no, we're the same height. Maybe if I had like the fancy hair, then maybe. Then I had, I had dreadlocks back then, so I was like, Psh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know what it was that would make the cuts, right? So I'm discontent in myself and I'm discontent in where I am in life. And this is what comparison does to us. You see, the moment we compare ourselves, contentment leaves the room. Happiness in myself and where I am leaves the room. Because the standard is now something else. The standard is now outside myself. The standard is, is my friend or my other friend who's killing it at admin. Imagine if I wouldn't anyway. Right? And that's where we find ourselves. So, so often we find ourselves there where we look to our lefts and our right and we were happy. We were content. We were like, I'm, I dressed up this morning and I smell good. I look good. I brush my teeth. I'm killing it. And then I get here or get anywhere and I see the people who really dressed up. Like they... They went for it. Now I'm discontent. Now I don't even want to tell people I'm wearing a new shirt. I'm not wearing a new shirt. This is very old. But I don't want to tell people that because I'm discontent in where I am and who I am. 
See, comparison is one of the loneliest battles that you'll ever fight, right? Because when you fight comparison, it's only you know about it. Only you know that you're not happy with who you are. Only you know that you're not happy about where you are. You're the only person fighting this battle. And the sad part is you have to pick yourself off your bootstraps, right? You know that saying, you gotta dig yourself out of a grave? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's comparison. Because I dig myself out of this grave and I get the shovel and I keep on digging and I keep on digging and as the further I dig, the less content I am. The more I compare myself to other people's standards, the less happy I am. The more I want to be her or better or him or better, the less happy I am with who I am. The less happy I am with where I am. Right? See, Teddy Roosevelt said this about comparison. He says, comparison is the thief of all joy. And because it's Women's Month, I got a female quote as well. No, I'm joking, guys. I'm really kidding. But this was really, really powerful. It's not, it's not because I, it's not. All right. <laughs> Dug my own grave there. But he, Van Zandt, Ms. Van Zandt says this. Comparison is an, act of, is an act of violence against oneself. It's an act of violence against the self. The moment I compare myself to the people around me, I'm actively attacking myself. See, the problem with comparison is this, is comparison makes us feel like we are either superior or inferior to the people around us. And none of that is honoring to God. See, feeling superior to someone else, that's not honoring to God, because I build myself up, right? I build my own kingdom, I build my own throne, and I say, I'm better than that guy, right? At least I'm not that guy, at least I'm not that student. I'm golden key, I mean, I made it. At least I'm not that guy. I mean, second half every Saturday? I'm not that guy. I'm the, I'm the better Christian, right? At least I'm not that guy. I stay at Campus Key, right? I'm the better student. <laughs> Apparently, you get some kind of special treatment when you go to Campus Key, right? Well, I'm not that guy. I, got, I have this thing. Oh, oh, I'm not that guy. He doesn't have this thing. He doesn't have this thing. He's lacking in this space. Therefore, I feel superior. I'm better. Then I'm happy. I'm better because I'm good. Right? I build my own kingdom and it's not honoring to God that I bring all the glory to myself. Well, the second part is when I feel inferior to someone, then I'm actively rejecting the image of God. I'm actively rejecting the thing that God said, I made that and I made that good. You can turn to the person next to you and tell them, listen, you were made good. It's always lonely in the front. It's lonely. <laughs> right? But when I see myself as inferior to the person beside me or the person anywhere around me, I'm actively rejecting the image of God. I'm actively rejecting the thing that God made good. Right? Paul says this. He says, but they, they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. How ignorant of us to see ourselves as superior to what God made. How ignorant of us to make our opinion of ourselves greater than anyone else in this room. How ignorant of us to see ourselves as less of what God says we are. How ignorant of us to make ourselves the standard. Right? And the way we change this, the way we fight out of this life of comparison, the way we get unstuck in comparison is in these, just these two ways. And the first one is this. 
And it starts with the question of what or who do you allow to define your worth or your value? I know the Christian answer is this. You, know, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Or God knows my worth, right? And you do whatever it is, and then you say, God knows my worth. And that's fine. God does know your worth. But the question here, and if you truly answer it, and you really look into it, and you ask yourself, who or what defines my worth? Because as people, we so often look at our worth and we try to find our value in things outside of ourselves, all these external factors. As kids, me, personally, as a kid, I looked to my dad. And I was like, Dad, I brought it home, buddy. Another 56%, I brought it home, buddy. Do I, do I, do I measure up? Is this enough? Did I get it? I look to my friends, I'm like, boys, I got them, I got them, the what are those, right? And then I ask, do I measure up? Am I enough? Am I now accepted by the standard around me? Is the, the, do the people around me, are you, do you now accept me? Do I now belong? Am I now loved? Am I now enough? And I keep chasing the standard and I keep digging this grave of, is it now enough? Is it now enough? Am I now enough? See, if we don't allow God to be the person to define our worth and our value, we continue digging our, ourselves in this grave of comparison. We keep actively attacking ourselves. And how ignorant of us, how ignorant of us in this building, knowing the truth, that God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son. See, we need to let God be the defining factor of our worth. The moment we step into that truth, then we start climbing out of this life of comparison. We put the shovel down and we start climbing out of this life of comparison and, and we see the picture of our worth displayed on the cross where God said the most, the crux of creation, the cornerstone of it all, the, the gem of reality, everything that matters in this world, I'm gonna put it out there and I'm gonna put it on a cross. And I'm going to sacrifice it for you. I'm going to exchange that for you. I'm going to exchange that for William. I'm going to exchange that for Brent. I'm going to exchange that for Kat. I'm going to exchange that for you. Right? That is your worth. That is your value. That is, that is what you need to hold on to. And when you hold on to this value and you hold on to this truth, this is what happens. You become a new creation. The standard is no longer set on what you used to do. The, longer, the standard is no longer set on who you used to be because you are a new creation in Christ. The bar has been set and it is not moving. This is, the, well, this is what else you'll find. This is the other thing you'll find is that you are a child of God. That finally, the thing you've been asking, do I belong? Am I accepted? Oh yes, you are accepted. And far greater than that. See, we are children of God. And next is we all see that we are chosen. This means you are enough. This means that when God made you, he didn't say that is good. He says, wow, that is very good. You are enough. You were made with a purpose. You weren't just splattered on this earth. God made you and he said, you are enough. And you'll find that you are deeply loved because God so loved that he gave for you, that he reached down for you when you were still running amok or when you were still wherever you were, 
God came to you and he reached out to you. So when we hold on to this truth, we get to put down the shovel and stop digging in this life of comparison. We get to let go and we get to hold on to this reality and this new identity that we are children of God. All right? And the standard has now been set. And guess what, guys? You don't have to reach it. We have it. That is the standard. We have it. We have it in us. As children of God, we are beloved, chosen, holy, set apart. All the good things. The next thing is this. This is how we get set free from this life of comparison. Is that we run our race. We run the race set before us. Right? This one's a little bit more practical. But we run the race set before us. And I want to share the story of Peter and John. I'm not sure if anyone, you know, the Bible readers in the house, make some noise. I should have been everyone. Anyway, <laughs> the Bible readers in the house, you'll know if you read John, that you see that in the book of John, he, def- he talks about himself, one, in the third person, weirdo, all right? And secondly, he defines himself as the one who God loved. He says the one who God loved in every piece of chapter where he speaks about himself, he writes the one who God loved, or the one who Jesus loved. And we see the story of Peter and John running now after Mary has told him, listen guys, the tomb is empty. I don't know what happened, the tomb is empty. And these boys start running. They start chasing it. They start going for it. And then you read in John, it says, now the one whom God loved outran Peter. Now, if that is not comparison in the Bible, right? They're comparing, they're competing. They're like, okay, cool. The one who God loved, the one who God loved. And they run and he says, the one who God loved got to the tomb first. And then Peter came in. And then again, after the Jesus um, ascends, they, they go back to fishing and they see Jesus on the shore. And John writes in his book of John, he's like, the one who God loved saw Jesus first, right? There's a little bit of competition there. These boys are not just playing around, they're competing. So much that they put it in the Bible. Like these guys are, I mean, that's where you're supposed to put all that aside, right? But anyway, only God can judge them. Anyway. Um, and we see it in John and we, get to, we, we read further in this book of John and we see that Peter has this beautiful redemption moment where he meets Jesus on the shore and they're having this conversation and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Jesus, yes, you know I love you, you know I love you. God says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then we get to this moment where Peter is now all redeemed and all feeling great and stuff. Then he looks around and he sees the one, the disciple that God loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. And he says, yeah, God, yeah, cool. So I'm feeding your sheep and stuff, and that's great. And I'm really excited. I'm really, woo. But what about that guy? What about him? What is he going to be up to? What is he going to be doing? I'm feeding your sheep, and that's great. And, but that guy, what is he up to in this time? See, Peter, after being redeemed, after being put together again by Jesus, falls into this, this trap of comparison once again. He looks to his left and he looks to his right and and then he stumbles and he falls into this pit of comparison. And Jesus replies and replies, so, so, so bad, eh? Can't say the real word up here. And he says, Peter, if I want John to stay alive, if if I want him to stay alive, to remain alive until the day I return, what is that to you? What is that to you? 
If I want the person beside you to, to flourish further and beyond what you're going to, what is that to you? What is that to you? Is that any of your concern? Is that any of your business? Jesus says, for you, as for you, you, you follow me. Don't worry about what's happening on your left or on your right. You follow me. Right? And we, we cannot be faithful Jesus followers if we're constantly comparing ourselves to the people beside us. We cannot faithfully follow Jesus if I'm always looking. Right? How do I run my race if I'm like looking this way, running that way? What's the first thing that's going to happen? I'm going to fall, right? I'm going to fall like that rugby player last night, right? Clean break, just and you, boom, on the floor. But that's what happens when we live in this life of comparison. We cannot actually run our race, right? We can't run the race set before us when we look to our left and our right. See, friends, we need to do this. And, and Paul writes it so beautifully in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race set before us fixing our eyes on the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith jesus let us run the race set before us fixing our eyes on jesus nothing else see if we believe in the in the value in the, the that our value and our worth comes from christ then we have enough. We are enough. We are called for a purpose. We're called to run in a certain direction, right? We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on where he's leading us. Then we don't have to worry about what's happening on our left and our right. And we can get to be a blessing to those people because when I fully step into what God has called me for, when I fully step into what God has called, when we step into what God has called us for, we can be a blessing to the person beside us. Because when I'm doing what I'm made to do, that fulfills me. That makes me come alive. I don't have to look at Brent's. I'm like, dang, those calves. I don't have to worry anymore. Right? God gave me a mustache. Look at this thing. It's powerful. I don't have to worry. I have what I have, and I get to run with it. He has what he has, and he gets to run with it. I get to celebrate Brent. I get to celebrate Fifi. She can sing. I cannot. Like, you don't want to. I just mime the words when I'm here. I'm joking. But we get to run our race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, fixing our eyes on who he's called us to be and what he's called us for. Knowing that, guys, when we run and we run our race, we run towards Jesus. We no longer live in a life trapped in comparison, stuck in comparison. The things that are stuck to us is worth, is that we are deeply loved, that we are chosen, that we are enough, that we are children of God. Bless you. We get to run our race, fixing our eyes on Christ. But it starts here, friends. It starts at who defines your worth. And I want to ask the band if they can join me so long. It starts with you ask yourself this question. Who or what defines my worth? And I want to invite you guys to, to, to really challenge yourselves, to really tackle this thing and really dive into it. We're going to go into a time of, of ministry right now where we get to do that. And we get to do that as a family. <laughs> we have mirrors around. So you get to look at yourself, no one else. You get to be like, you're the problem. You're where all the money's going. I, I, I'm joking. 
di different, different sermon, different <laughs> wrong sermon. But you get to look at yourself and you get to tell yourself you're worthy. You're worthy of what God has called you to be. Where you are in your workspace, in your, in your academics, in your school, in your, in your commune, in your flat, in wherever it is may be that God has you right now, you're worthy of being there. You don't have to reach a standard. You are the standard. The standard is in here. So I want to ask everyone to stand up quickly. And in this time of worship, you'll get to a space where there are mirrors and some sticky notes. And write down a word. Write down a word that you really are struggling to believe about yourself. For me, it's that I'm enough. It's that I don't have to perform, I don't have to act, I don't have to work, I don't have to push it. That I'm enough. And you'll see that word in one or another mirror. But I wanted you to challenge yourself and ask yourself, what is the word that I'm struggling to believe over myself? That I cannot see, that I cannot hear God say that He truly believes us over me. That I am enough, that I am loved, that I am chosen, that He has, He's not holding anything, He's not holding anything back, He's not hiding anything from me. He's giving it all away. I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, in this time together, Lord, as we step into this moment of, of ministry, Lord, may you open our hearts so that we may hear what you truly have for us. We, we put down the shovel and we stop digging and stop comparing ourselves and stop working to a standard that man sets. But Lord, we live with the standard that you've put inside us. Your spirit, Father, your love. And Father, we get to walk out of this unstuck from comparison, but stuck to the truth of what you say to of us, Heavenly Father. So in this moment, friends, let's get ourselves unstuck. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.